I feel like the darker lighting immediately just quiets things down. I feel like I should be whispering almost. Maybe we could, except then I wouldn't be able to hear you. Yeah, not a good idea. I'm going deaf. Why are you going deaf? I don't know. It, it's it's pressure in my right ear. I Some days is perfectly fine, and then other days, depending on where I am, it'll be almost like there's water in my ear, but there's not. And I should really go to a doctor, but I just don't have the the, the time to wait around. And then when I do think about it, it ends up being okay. And then the next day, I think it could be just an overabundance of earwax because a lot of times it's, That'd it's be pretty worse easy in the to morning. Fix. Have you ever tried that trick where you get hydrogen peroxide and yep. dump it in your ear? I did yeah. that quite a bit. It didn't, didn't really help. work. It just started hurting my ear after a while. Oh, okay. See, the, the funny thing about that, when I was growing up, I think um, my brothers wanted to do that or my mom helped them do that. We were just like little kids and they found it relaxing but i always thought that was a really like a weird thing to do so i just i never wanted it and then i first tried it i think and and this is a strange time to try it too but i was in university and for years i thought you know my right ear just couldn't hear things as well as my left i just grew to accept that because it was such a long-term thing and eventually i tried that trick so i was like whatever i'll just see if it helps there was like such an amount of black earwax like a Gross. huge amount that just came out of my right ear and it was perfectly fine after years and years of just putting it off i could hear fine again <laughs> and i i thought it was an interesting trick i don't really know i mean there's, i'm sure there's probably people that recommend against using hydrogen peroxide in your ears but i did some googling before i put it in my ear yeah and they said as long as when you put it in, it doesn't, there's no sharp pains because there's just something wrong with your eardrum. Hydrogen peroxide on the eardrum isn't a good. No, if it's, yeah, if you get something torn open but or whatever. It, it is a kind of not an old wives tale, but it is a kind of an older style trick and it does work, but I would put it, I would lay down for like 20 minutes. So I'd do it in bed and I'd lay down on my side and just fill it in and the sensation of the bubbles in my yeah. ear. And the sound, it was very odd. Yeah, it is very, very odd. It's very uncomfortable to sit like that for an extended period of time. So like the first couple seconds, it's kind of jarring, but then you get used to it for a couple minutes, and then it just starts getting irritating after that. Mm -hmm. There are alternatives. There's people that um, get like earwax removals. There's, I guess, ways of doing it with like, I mean, tweet. I don't, I wouldn't really call it tweezer, but like a vacuum kind of thing that can like scrape stuff. There's like a water treatment method. People, there's tons of videos on YouTube. There's like a cult following of these things because people find it, I guess, satisfying to see an ear that's really messed up just be fixed. I'll let a doctor do it at some point. Yeah. I'm sure it's just an ear, um, like an earwax type thing. I can't imagine, like when somebody says they're going deaf, I imagine going deaf is a gradual thing and it's not something like, oh, it's good today. Oh, it's bad today no probably not i would imagine it being just a slope of oh it's getting worse what'd you say huh yeah i got very very used to saying excuse me i know don't say what it's excuse me pardon me that's a, th a thing with canada too if you wanted to have that looked at there's a big wait period to get to see a specialist usually because you got to go to a general practitioner or just like a walk-in clinic or whatever and then you have to get a recommendation to a, a doctor from there and it's 
usually a pretty big wait unless it's something that's an emergency and even then sometimes it's still weeks and maybe months away so it's a bit of a pain maybe in my upcoming days off i can go and just say hey i think there's an overabundance of wax in this ear hmm. use q-tips i try to avoid it because you're not really supposed to use them in your no. ear yeah i i never i i tried them as a kid like very young and it's fine but i i just stopped using it at some point because i didn't really find like find that they did anything for me and then very recently like within the past year since tila has them i've gotten back into using it they feel it's, good it's, it's a weird sensation yeah. i like i i pushing them too far in i'm like yeah this can't be good but no. just going this is probably the most riveting conversation we've ever had on here but just going around the rim of the ear that's kind of where they're at their best but there's a lot of stuff like that where i guess people don't find it interesting about the human body or want to talk about it but there's it's, that's a lie because there's so many people like just on these online forums that are just con- like interested in like what's going on with my ear it's got this problem and like oh yeah i have that problem i did this to fix it and this is a huge, strange embarrassment public embarrassment about it i guess Maybe you want to talk about my ears, that's fine. I embarrassment, it's weird. Um a lot of that has disappeared for me. I don't necessarily get shy. Some things I won't talk about with certain people, but mm. I think the the overall uh I'm afraid they'll judge me or something like that, that has disappeared over the past few years. Maybe not a hundred percent. No. But definitely a lot more. Something about leaving a school environment where you have peers and you feel like you have to fit in and all that, whether you know it or not, and just going out and doing your own thing in the world, you kind of just leave a lot of that behind, I think. Even in university, I didn't really rely too much on like social connections, so I kind of just did my own thing, and I, I dropped a lot of my cares about needless worries like that. So, yeah. And then and then you get to have more genuine conversations that way, I, th- I find. If you don't really care what somebody will think if you say a certain thing get more, more you said something you yesterday which intrigued me and i was wondering if you'd elaborate on it maybe you were just making a joke and this whole maybe. question is oh sweet. it's gonna go to shit start something um we were playing that card game and which one the most likely to whatever yeah, most likely party. to whatever okay and the thing was most likely to have peaked in high school and you had <laughs> said that you didn't have a like what was your high school experience like? I know we covered certain I think aspects I, at of that it. night. I just said it was I was shitty in high school. I yeah, but how so? Because you're not stupid. You're a very no. smart person. Were you bored? Maybe. A lot of people describe whether it's for good or bad. Like a lot of people say, "Oh, high school was the worst. It was this worst time." Or, or other people say, "Ah, it was great. I got to do all these activities. It was you know, it was a great time." I'm pretty neutral about the entire experience. I don't find it like people I'm around constantly recalling memories. Oh, back in, you know, when I was in 11th grade or whatever, this happened. And I was like, I don't really remember much of high school. And even if I did, it's not noteworthy in the slightest. And I don't know if that's because of who I was as a person. And maybe I could have been more outgoing, but I just, it's not particularly memorable. I think that everything got a lot better after that as far as life being exciting and actually finding something that motivated me didn't really have it's it's probably for a lot of people you you leave high school you're able to to find yourself 
But then on the flip side, for me, I always think, like a lot of people would, people, there are certain people that treat high school as maybe they should, like it's incredibly important, and for some people it is. I knew going into high school that I was never going to be a doctor. I didn't aspire to be a doctor. Some people I went to school with did. Some people are well on their way to being doctors. Mm -hmm. They definitely had to take high school. Not that I didn't take it seriously, but they definitely had to take high school a lot more serious than I did. They definitely weren't taking the drama classes as electives like I was. No. But that's... As far as what I thought of doing, like because I, I did maybe see something medical as being an interest to me when I was in high school. I see school. you being a doctor. And and that was fine. And, but I also, at the same time, took shop class, classes my elective because I was like, well, this is a good backup plan. You know, go to... I'd be a, I maybe thought of being a welder at that point or, or something like that. Although that was very short-lived because I don't really think it's that interesting to be a welder, especially now. But going into university, it's, it's, that whole, it's the positive side of existentialism because you're faced with all of these things and you realize that not only is this whole university thing all bullshit and kind of a lie that society thrust upon you that you have to go have this experience and you're going to be greatly successful because of it or something, which I had to have believed at least a little bit in order to invest so much money into it. But more so, it's that being this doctor that I thought I could be wouldn't make me happy anyways. So what's the point? And it's... Yeah. It's this sort of existential thought of, well, like, what do I actually want to do with my life? And and having that burden sort of gone, being out of school and even out of university now, it's sort of lifted off your shoulders and you have a lot more room to explore what you want to do. With the one contingent feature being you can't let this idea of lack of free time get you down. Because I know a lot of people work the same kind of hours that I do, and, and they tell me, you know, I just want to go home and relax, or I want free time i want me time i want this they want to you know sit in front of the tv or whatever they want to do some mutual people that we know of there's many people that are like this and it's not really a knock on them but it defeats this possibility of you becoming what you want to be in the sense of maybe pursuing a hobby that could be something more like photography was it for me at least before that was something i loved to do and i you know at least i was in school at the time so i had a bit more time to pursue it and get good at it which was a great opportunity but now that i'm working Sure, there's less time, but you still got to make that time count. It's this seizing of an opportunity kind of thing, which with the existentialism, you know, of the high school days off your shoulder, whatever, like who you're supposed to be lifted away, you can freely make a decision in that direction, I think. It's liberating, kind of. It is. I found out something very interesting just a, just a few short days ago. Uh, my my contact, my union contact, who lives in Tilsonburg. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I first met him, I thought it was interesting. That, well, when I first started talking to him, rather, I thought that it was interesting that I come all the way to Niagara, been living here for, at that point, seven years. And the contact to get me into the start of my career was in Tilsonburg. It's kind of interesting. Now I find out that not only is he in Tilsonburg, but he only lived four doors down from me That's for the good strange. chunk of actually all of my high school years. So my formative, hey, I'm going to be a filmmaker, I walked by his house every day. When 
did you get in contact? Like, when did you first know of this guy's existence? Last year, uh, somebody came into my dad's car wash. and was like, I have a bunch of cars that need wash. That's like, fine. So he brings in a few, and they're all kind of higher-end cars. And at some point, my dad's like, where like where are these coming from? Do you own a dealership or something? He's like, no, these are these are cars for a film shoot or a TV shoot or whatever. And my dad, thinking that film is a generalization and working in film is everything that I'm it's qualified a, it's a for. ubiquitous thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, my son, so on and so forth. And the guy's like, oh, well, give him my contact information and let me talk to him. And when I talked to him last summer, he's like, you know, basically the same spiel as he gave me this year. But he said, I, I realize what it's like coming from a small town or coming from Tilsonburg. You might think there's no way you're going to be able to do that. And if you stick with me, it'll make it work or I'll make it work. Then he got busy last summer. So he stopped returning my calls. I got busy with weddings. I thought that's an interesting opportunity. Just didn't work out. So time went on. And then my dad again this year said, the guy came back in. He said, you should call him. He got really busy. So I'm like, here we go again. I called him again. And the first thing was like, or the first thing he did was apologize. He said, I got so busy last year. It was a busy year for shoots. And when I wasn't working, I was asleep for like eight months straight. Like it was just work, sleep, work, sleep. So I didn't just ignore you. I ignored everybody. Mm. She's like, if you're still into it, that's that's great. So he gave me all the information and then made the decision, took the course, and here we are. So talking to him, it's funny because I had everything that went down with BDs and whatnot. And the fact that Toronto's kind of in its normal, or what I perceive as them calling it a normal winter months where the productions are wrapping up and there's just a few small productions because most won't shoot through Christmas. No. And then they'll pick up again next year. Um, that stressed me out. And lo and behold, he called and he just checked in. So I don't know if it's because when he doesn't hear from me for a while, he must think I'm stressing out or something, but he called. He's like, you've worked a few days. I'm like, yeah. It's like, well, just keep grinding through. Three years from now, you'll be 30, you'll be in the union, and you'll be looking back thinking, what the fuck just happened? Like, It's a pretty big promise. It's a huge promise. So I'm taking it with a grain of salt, but 75 to 85% of what he's said has, what he said has been true. The work's been a little, a little lower than I thought, but turns out that there's there's ways to work it but now there's no work that i can work myself into mm -hmm. but he also did say since i'm more qualified as a as a quote-unquote stagehand we'll just call it that the productions start up again in march but that's not when they start building no they'd be starting to build that. late january february so it could actually work out quite well might have lots to do and then deciding I'm slowly working on my my fully self-employed schedule. And I've decided that in some capacity every week I'm going to do one or two small little projects, be it to go out and take some sort of 
creative photo or video just to create content because I was always very intrigued by your your photo portfolio it's pretty I don't know what you would do necessarily videography wise because that's not something I had to worry about although vlogs seem like the thing that you would pick up on that photo wise I just loved everything I love photographing just about everything there wasn't anything I wouldn't try that's what I'm intrigued to do and then to do the winter stuff too I want to do like some some nice winter photos yeah. we have the, the pocket wizards hit yes that that changes the game quite a bit for two reasons one of them that's a bit more re relevant to our daily lives is at weddings if we want to use the strobes in a ceremony we now can without having somebody trigger them you with their own you know little bridge camera flash or whatever because usually we've been using the just the remote triggering using the flash but now it's just a wireless system where it's it's a it's a radio so you can do that and we have now an amped up distance capability that we can use anywhere if we want to use them outdoors as long as you have something to power the strobes or or you could just use wire like speed lights doesn't really matter you can trigger them what 200 feet away something I think like that. that's it i yeah. think i was reading there's a like a range extension that'll yeah 200 feet's plenty to play with in my opinion you could do just about anything you want um i've seen lots of cool cool effects i don't I, one specific, I remember somebody hung a bunch of old speed lights with the triggers on them from like trees down like a road. And when they triggered it, it lit up the whole road, but like just in the middle of like the desert or something. Like, not really a desert because it was trees, but it's like a on the side of a highway. Anyways, it looked really cool. But, but you can do a lot of unique lighting stuff with that you could so otherwise couldn't achieve. With something like that, because the pocket wizard, you can only use four, or is it, is it four? I think you can use more with some setups. Some kits come with four because come with a, a transmitter maybe three receivers okay it really depends um when you're doing something like that and you're just setting up your your winding dirt road with your uh with your flashes would you only trust brand name or would you go i can't pronounce flashes yeah no go dirt cheap in fact you can get some really good dirt cheap ones. You can. And the funny thing, and this is not to pick on Canon users, cause I, but it is the true thing. I think that Nikon has had better speed lights than anybody, especially Canon, as far as old speed lights go. Because you can pick up a lot of those for like 30 bucks. It's, um, I can't remember exactly which model is the one a lot of people pick. It's probably the SB15 or something. But anyways, those are great. They're so dirt cheap and they're rugged they're powerful they're everything you need for if you just want to have something out in, in a bush somewhere that's got a trigger on it great little flash but yeah you can, you can pick them up all day long i wouldn't trust like a old minolta flash from like the 80s or something but there's there's definitely lots of options on the cheap side some nice chinese or japanese made flashes on amazon for 50 bucks or less if they're young yo sure but otherwise well, that's eh, a bit weary that's what I was getting to yeah. without butchering the the uh, the name. But there's probably a lot of free names, anyways. But no, that's exciting, and that'll be neat, and mm -hmm. hopefully get a little bit more. It, it's it's fun when I when I started doing it, and you could argue that it it uh, kind of was related, anyways. But between doing the baby photos and the the wedding side of things i didn't really do anything outside of it and that was a bad mentality because mm -hmm. i didn't get to flourish as a as a creative person 
and then gee i don't know probably about march or april 2016 i met you and ever since then it's been i've i've had to challenge myself to keep up with you and it's been fun so maybe what we could do because we're talking about lots of branch offs from the podcast but it'd be cool just to have like a segment where we go out and shoot stuff and i don't know even just something with GoPros would be easy enough to do, and we could, I don't know, just find something. To do. The trickiest part about it is getting it to work on daylight hours for both of us, because it's the winter time. The sun is out from like I don't know, maybe seven in the morning until about five thirty, and that's that's now. It's going to get worse as we proceed into December, but it's not a lot of daylight hours. And even then, five thirty, it was pretty much dark at five tonight. Yeah. Like, and you can do stuff at night. I mean, could. maybe that's what the sh- maybe that's what the show would have to be centered around is night photography. What can uh, you that is that something that I am so. I want to say I'm I'm underdeveloped in because I have a few of my kind of favorite nighttime shots and I know how to do it. But I'd say my portfolio is less night and more hmm. day. I think most people's like that. But yeah, well, the, the thing is with nighttime, if you're talking about photographing people, which is kind of where the money's at for us it's all strobe work it's all speed lights or whatever and then you have to get creative because you and it is how the wedding industry operates where you just have a speed light on top of your camera you blast it straight forward or up or whatever and you get this flat lighting and you know what that's the wedding style that's what it is but it's boring it's not what you need for model shoots or or stuff like that so you have to get really creative with how you're going to light stuff up and then you need it to be wireless and you need remotely triggered flashes and then you need, might need a permit depending on where you are and it gets kind of hairy. There was a, a video that I was watching and this guy was showing the difference between a $10,000 flash setup compared to a like $400 flash setup and he tried to duplicate the $10,000 setup which of course were wireless strobes and whatnot and he had like four of them and with the the cheaper one he had a a kind of white bristol board below the model to to act as an up light and yep. whatnot so we really really obviously purposely cheaped out on the lower end one i wouldn't necessarily use a milk crate and piece of bristol board if you're getting paid to do it but it does show that you can get similar results Effort compensates for lack mm-hmm. of money in that situation, which is a lot of the photography stuff. But I mean, I'm, re- it, I'm really excited to be able to try to do something kind of glamorous at mm-hmm. night. And and for our situation, there's a lot of interesting lights, lighted areas that you go to in the falls and in St. Catharines and stuff. So there's something I think we can do interesting with lights in the background. Everybody's always, you know, going for the bokeh shots where there's just all these orbs about the scene and it, it can look really dazzling for sure it's a very desirable kind of look for a lot of these model shoots and, and for such. that place ugh, that you sent with all the lights in the falls it's a public place mm-hmm. and if we're not getting you know paid for the photo shoot and we just have a camera and a, a flash on a tripod i think a a photography permit isn't necessarily needed no i don't think so yeah, should be a lot of fun. I, videography wise, it'd be cool to. I mean, maybe you could go in the direction of local documentaries, really, but that's not really our style. It's not really our products necessarily, so it's kind of hard to do. 
we do a lot of we do commercial work and we do wedding work and stuff like that but it'd be like nobody's gonna pay you to do documentary necessarily unless you're selling it to it all depends on how you you spin it there's there is a definite similarity between documentary and uh business highlight or or something like that like it, it could be I mean, most documentaries have some sort of sit-down interview type thing yeah. with a bunch of B-roll, so it's not necessarily a a narrative documentary, but documentary style, business highlight, business. I think a more documentary in like the form of like a, a journalistic approach, where yeah. it's not about it, it's about finding truth more than anything. So if there's something negative to say about something somebody, then it needs to be said, kind of thing. That, but that is my favorite kind of work if I was to be shooting something. I love, especially the Planet Earth series, which are just the wildlife documentary. It's amazing. There's a great interview I listened to. Do you, where do you stand on the JFK assassination? What about it? Um, Conspiracy theory stuff or what? Yeah. Like I've watched some of the videos that are more conspiracy typed and like what do you think one shooter to kill them all or was it a no idea no idea I have no idea I've mentioned them before but valuetainment uh, they do some very very good long form interviews a little bit more interview style than Joe Rogan in the sense that it's question answer there's not a lot of conversation mm-hmm. but to mark the 55 years since the assassination which was on the 24th fourth okay yesterday maybe the 23rd i can't remember might have been yesterday though um he had one of the coroners from the jfk assassination on who just recently wrote a book so good timing obviously Mm -hmm. and it was a very very riveting interview from somebody who isn't a whack job but somebody who spent his entire life as a coroner you know, figuring out how people died and all the details and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's about an hour long, so it's a good length interview, but you should check it out. You figure he'd been interviewed before this instance, if he had such a close relation to the case. From what I get from the interview, for the longest time, especially with stuff like that, he wasn't told to be quiet, but he for the longest time just didn't really think about it because it wasn't ever a conspiracy at the beginning no and then the conspiracy had grown and then eventually he just got tired of it but it all kind of came to light when trump released some of the jfk documents like six months ago or something like that because it did show attempts to obscure some information yes yes and i think the the timelines might be a little bit off but i think that with normal cases you're only able to keep the evidence secret for i believe it's 35 years 30 35 years but because of the high profile matter of the case they were able to get all the evidence locked up for 55 years, which for the majority of the people that worked on that case, including this coroner who is questioning whether or not he'll actually make it to the 55-year mark, um, yeah, no. Because you just said it already is the 55-year mark. It is the 55-year mark. Maybe it's 75. 
So, okay, that's success. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Anyways, they extended it more or less, most people think, just so that way by the time everything comes out, anybody who witnessed it is dead. Yep. So there's no argument. But the way the interview is laid out and the way that he explains how the body was found and whatnot, it is kind of interesting. Then they show the video. And it's a it's an actual angle that I've never seen before. I've seen camera roll from the assassination, mm-hmm. but it's a, a video angle that I don't think I've ever seen before. And it definitely does look like there might have been an initial shot, but I I don't know. I will probably actually buy this guy's book, though. Sounds interesting enough. I don't... I've never... I could have sworn that there was two angles. One is the one that everybody knows, and the other one's a little more choppy. It's a bit less watchable but i don't i maybe there's a third one that but i feel like it'd be weird for it to be coming out now hmm? it'd be weird to have a new angle of that now maybe i you are you are right it is odd that there'd be a new angle but maybe it was just something that i that i missed oh. uh the reviews are in uh shane and heather's wedding video is great that's great it's great that sounds good just got that message so great perfect good job I Justin. Assume, i assume that they watched the whole thing maybe tonight hmm? i assume they watched it all tonight in one sitting probably well it's a pretty short video yeah so that's good yeah so that's wonderful hmm. um not to go into conspiracies but is there anything that you think i mean outside of the flat earth jokes and whatnot is there anything that you think that uh isn't what people say it is this one's kind of more deep and i guess not i don't know if it's a conspiracy theory but anyways the people who do go wholeheartedly into it are definitely compared to nut jobs there are a lot of people that don't buy into the current arguments about quantum mechanics and and things like that in a science level so like we're talking you know fabric of the universe kind of shit okay they don't there's a lot of a lot of this that relies on like just creating a lot of excessive particles particles associated with lots of different forces in the universe and it, the gist of the argument is that it can be summarized much more simply and humans don't necessarily have a way of doing that yet but a lot of people just a lot of them, a lot of these people are really big into describing the world with magnetism and saying that certain things like the uh, the double slit experiment is just some it's bullshit because there's some other way to explain it the tricky part about this one is that while I do believe there's some credibility in saying, yeah, probably don't know everything about quantum physics, is I don't understand what either side is saying entirely, so I don't know. <laughs> but it, it it interests me. It's probably the one that I buy into more than anything that I, I try to keep up with it, where where people will try to refute certain... I, a lot of people say that, in this camp, say that the work of specifically Albert Einstein was just... He, he was an idiot. He did a lot of stuff that was contrary to discoveries that we had made before and, and that he was going in the wrong direction describing not not exactly sure exactly what yeah it's really tricky on the spot because again like if i'm reading it i can try to follow like follow it as much as i can but i still don't fully understand it because i'm not a quantum physicist i don't i never went to school for that kind of stuff full and, disclosure neither am i no. so <laughs> 
I, I did have a lot of interest in school in just ma- like more macroscopic things. There's a, I think everybody takes pretty much the Newtonian physics in their first year of university if they're doing that kind of stuff. And then there's, I took one on thermodynamics and I took one like maybe on optics, a couple different physics courses and I found them all fairly interesting, but nothing that's at that kind of level. But, and, and I sucked at chemistry in university. Out of all of the sciences that were most related to my biology course, I didn't like the way they taught chemistry, especially organic chemistry. Although I'm sure very few people did because I heard like the class average for my class was like 54. So, and I beat that. So <laughs> that's about all I got. <laughs> What'd you get? I don't remember. It, was, it wasn't good. It was like 60 something. <laughs> I think, I think it was the lowest grade I got in all of university. I think if you if you successfully beat the average, that's that's good. Except for the but fact. then you look around at the people and you're like, yeah, I hope I beat these people because <laughs> there's definitely a, a large chunk of university students, especially in first year, which anybody going into university will notice this. First two years, just you're going to weed out a lot of people that are not there for the right reasons. They're just partying or they're not interested in what they're learning at all and but you like that <clears throat> i had that too and that's a that's an interesting thing because you would think that anybody who's there for the college or university lifestyle wouldn't be in something so because you went to school for biology right biology yeah i went to school for film production um people who are there to party and whatnot i don't think would go for uh, and no, i'm the, obviously wrong they're on a different track because a lot of the reasons why i went to university in the first place was the pressure just societal pressure parent pressure whatever it is to to achieve something and you think that this is the way to do it you think that's the going to university and going for this academically minded course is the right way to do it same goes for business courses or anything else if if that's the direction they, they've been steered in but their head was never in it to necessarily get a career in the first place or or they don't take it seriously much sooner on, then I think they'd be more likely to just not focus on their studies. A lot of people, definitely, I would argue that less than half of all high school students should even consider post-secondary. Something I, I would wholeheartedly say that there's better ways to achieve what you want in life than going through that. And maybe... We could drive the prices of university a little bit down, make it a little bit less competitive in the sense of like, you'd have a lot of money and just make it more for the brilliant people that could achieve most academically, which is what scholarship programs try to do, I suppose, but I don't know how well they work. Half high, or half of high school people going to, to post-secondary makes sense. I think in certain cases it should be higher. As I've said before, 100%, I do believe that you should really consider and really think hard whether or not you would go to a film course or a photography course, the Niagara College photography course. And I say this with respect to some of the teachers that I know, I find it to be stupid. Sounds like a joke to me. They Teaching art like that? They extend it to two years, so that way it's a certificate course. But even our film professors said, because the first semester, the first first uh, two months, two and a half months in uh, in our film course, we were using, we were just taking pictures. That was the fundamentals. 
we were taking film pictures because they said you're not going to be able if you can't properly expose one picture and you can't compose one picture how can you compose 24 pictures a second okay it's a it's a good mentality that's a strange thing to say because the burst rates of some film cameras were higher than most dslrs were for a long time but sure take Uh, off don't don't have a motor drive on your camera i guess but um the teachers also said that basically in this two and a half month span you're learning exactly what the first year of film or photography students will learn Mm -hmm. so the fact that they expanded it that much it could have been a one-year course one-year course isn't that bad no if you want to learn the fundamentals they got opportunity that not everybody gets to do they had a ton of models come in they got to do some nude model photography stuff like that product photography in a in a well-funded environment Mm -hmm. but i just don't think it should have been two years and i think uh the film production route good equipment and more equipment than than what i could afford with what i paid to go to school i'll give them that Mm mm-hmm right we're using equipment that costs my tuition in some cases so there is merit there but you you do have to think long and hard and i was trying to get at this with kevin too because i went to niagara college and i probably shouldn't have i'm glad i did but i probably shouldn't have because it wasn't the film production that i wanted it was very tech heavy it was very the film production was there but the creative side, the interesting side, even though I spent a lot of time editing, that was less focused on. Mm. It was more the, the, you know, the technical side, which is fine, and I still enjoy it. But so it would be almost. I don't. I don't know if what place offers the Sheridan. course. Sheridan. Sheridan's more story driven. Yeah. Um. And they were they were weird for the longest time. I'm glad they went away from that. But with Sheridan, you pay for your tuition. And any film that you shoot, you're not given a limit. But any film that you shoot, you paid for the, the, um, the exposing and whatnot of the film. So you'd pay for all the, the lab costs and the digitizing and whatnot out of pocket. Hmm. wasn't included in the tuition. That's rough. At least with Niagara, you were given a set amount of film which most film productions are given a set amount of film anyways. Yeah. And it, that's included. And I think that that's kind of the smarter way to do because I mean, nowadays it doesn't matter because shooting digital, but digital. back then at least you knew what you had and you knew you had to accomplish with, you know, that set amount. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of neat. I wonder if they'll bring back any film component of that. At any point, I know Kodak is trying to bring back their, I think it's their Super 8 line of film, and, and there's weird novelty in that, but I don't know if it'll ever be taken seriously again. Enough I don't do know that. if it'll ever be on the, sounds weird to say, but I'm going to call it lower end market, only because directors, older directors, Spielberg, he wants to shoot film, he shoots film. That's that's just the way it is. They will shoot film, and he is yep. allowed to do that. So it'll never go away. It's rare, and a lot more films are shot completely digitally. Mm-hmm. But if you're 
if you're a film director with enough clout and you want to shoot film, they will let you. So obviously there are still up to date and complete, not necessarily completely modern. I guess there'd have to be completely modern film cameras unless they're using something from years ago. But that I'd be curious about. I mean, you could look at film photography. Nikon sells the F6. Uh, I don't know if they sell the FM10 anymore. That's it. Canon discontinued their SLR. Every once in a while, there's a weird new company that jumps into the scene and has something. But mm, for the most part, you can't buy a new film camera. I'm, I'm actually curious. If I was on Amazon and I just searched 35mm film camera, because Amazon's not going to sell old stuff like eBay or like used stuff. So it sort of weeds out the possibility of that happening, I would say. But I'm curious if there is anything you can buy new inventory, 35 millimeter wise. And I, I swear Nikon's probably the only one doing it. Film camera, and there's still um disposable cameras. I should add. I'm loading my search right now. You're doing research. I'll do research. I'm gonna see if Steven Spielberg has a preferred camera. Yeah, I don't know anything about video film cameras couldn't list a single model actually it was kind of a strange thing I'd have to say I think your NAS is working overtime because the internet's really slow what um, network are you on I've been having some speed issues with certain ones it's a bit odd I haven't been able to I did upload most of a wedding before I came here so maybe it's maybe that's why it's still coming I don't know not exactly sure hey there we go okay funny enough look up 35 millimeter film camera and the first thing that comes up is a sponsored ad from fujifilm x100f very film body style it's great camera but then you get ilford hp5 plus which is actually my favorite black and white film to shoot on but uh you get one roll of that for 16 dollars, which is way too much and and here's the funny thing there actually is used film cameras you can get a Canon AE-1 35mm. That's a, from the 1970s. It's not new. I don't know why it's on Amazon. It costs $288. I can tell you damn right, don't buy that. Go to eBay and spend maybe $100. They also have a Minolta SRT-201. I I have that camera. It's a pretty tough camera. Probably It was before Minolta went a little bit uh, cheaper on their, their build quality, I would say. I think it's fully mechanical, so you don't even need a, a battery to operate it. There's an Olympus OM2. Interesting. The Olympus cameras tend to be a little bit overpriced, in my opinion. I've never actually owned one of those, but they seem to be pretty hot cameras to buy. I guess a lot of people learn to shoot on them. They have a, a Pentax ME, a Canon FTB, and that's about it. Yeah, that's all that I see. Oh, they have a Canon ES1000. That's a piece of junk. <laughs> I didn't know that they sold old stuff like that on Amazon. I thought it was... Well, they sell used items, so... They do, but I don't know. I just I never see anything quite so old as that. Ew. A Nikon EM for $200. That I wouldn't pay $10 for that camera. <laughs> That's probably one of the, least, the most rejected Nikon phone cameras of all time. Well, the reviews are in. From 2018, the most popular... Camera, the most popular movie cameras, at least for this list, could mm-hmm. be a slightly skewed list. The number one most popular camera 
is the the Ari Alexa, which okay. you might not know what that is, but that's no. the most common one. Uh, and the second most common one is the Red Epic Dragon. Okay. Which, which is understandable. Red's got a pretty good foothold in the market. Or the Red Helium. Red Bo Helium. Burnham just shot a movie on the Red Helium. What did Bo Burnham shoot? Yeah, it's a movie called Eighth Grade. It, okay. Is he starring in it? I think he's just directing. He's just directing. I th- yeah. I like Bo Burnham. I should probably check that out. Area Alexa. <laughs> the, the Area Alexa has it. Like, Yeah. It's a red weapon. The question I'd have is that Alexa camera is that a PL mount camera or like what what are people using with it? Because I don't know anything about the platform, but I assume it's got to be similar to Red, where you can you know have removable storage and you get all sorts of accessories that you would have put with it to really build any kit out of it whatsoever. And even then, it's a I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a fairly yeah. modular camera. Yeah. Um. I think it, it's actually, this is an older one. It's fairly, oh, that's rental. Does it look like a TV camera? Uh, show you a picture. Sure. Hey, it looks quite a bit like something Red would put out, I would say. Yeah, it just looks like a very modular camera. Maybe a little bit more on the Sony stylistically kind of but, I mean, Sony's camcorders are pretty good, we too. We shot on airy cameras in college on film. So okay. they had old film cameras. And then once they went digital, they were they were in bed with red. So hmm. I don't know if they were in bed with red, but that's what we were using. So hmm. it's kind of neat. It, it, it would be neat to go back to school to be able to use that equipment now that I don't suck. Which is probably a thing that some people must do. I don't know if you could go back to college and just take a slightly different course like 10 years later if you would want to do that. I don't know either. Be interesting. I, I don't know. It, it feels like cheating almost. Like If I went back to university now and did some other science program, it'd be so easy. Oh my God, they have it so easy there. I don't know. I mean, once you get up to like this level of fourth year in thesis projects again, okay, fine. It gets a bit tricky again, but those first three years, you have nothing to worry about. Well, provided you're getting a loan, so you're, you know, not working. Then it's hard. That That's the adult problem is that you got to keep working while you're in yeah. school. No, they should, uh, for alumni, they should have you be allowed to come back for a week and for a week or something or a few days it, yeah. it'd be actually a great niagara college actually should do it because it'd be a great way to for students to be able to tell how niagara college affected their life you just get like a demo of how it is in the, the school like you'd go in for three days or whatever uh we're seeing are you saying if i did no i'm saying like that what are you proposing i'm proposing that uh as Niagara College alumni, yeah, we should be allowed maybe in 2020, 10 years after we started, to go back for a few days, use the Niagara College equipment. Oh, just be able to use their equipment. That'd be great. And come up with a come up with a a short film 
call it like a 48-hour Niagara College Film Festival with Niagara College grads and use what we've learned in school and out of school to see how much better we've become. Be interesting. Definitely could be good promotion for the school. Right. And of course, that's just me saying, gee, I'd love to use that equipment when I have equipment that's capable of doing something and I could just do it myself. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but no, that's. I want to go back to something from the beginning of this podcast. Okay. When you mentioned that this your connection into the film union lived just like four doors down from you, mm-hmm. doesn't that make you want to just like reach out to wherever we are now and just find these kind of people and just do something with them collaboratively because it's and that's kind of what we've done with the podcast we've had some people on here that are interesting in way different positions than we are what do you mean like neighbors or people that i know of but like quite literally neighbors like who who is around us we should get to know these people it's a social networking thing it's true people who tend to do that tend to be the politician types but like it makes you more charismatic to know telling me i should run for mayor maybe how is there an age restriction on who can be mayor? I don't think so. No. And if there is, I'm past it. Hmm. I'm assuming it would just be of adulthood. Yeah, that would make sense. Which would be tough in certain cases because I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be able to to uh, announce that you're running if you weren't an adult. So you'd have to be an adult when you do start running. So there's that drawn out period where hmm. you're not as young as you could have been. No, I'm not going to run for mayor. No, you don't want to. I have one good platform, and that's it. And the only thing, and I think this is a great idea, it's a great way to save <laughs> taxpayers' money. We in Canada are very fortunate to have baby bonus. Yes. Right? And, and that's a wonderful thing for, for parents. Back specifically, I think that's where that is. Pardon me? You're talking about the incentives where the government pays you to have more children? No, the baby. Uh, you're, you're given just a, talking about you're given a monthly amount um, for a new baby to help with the kind of just the cost of living with a baby, mm-hmm. and depending on depending on situations, I, I believe it is a a flat rate. But the problem with that is is the only thing you do to acquire said baby bonus is have a baby has a have a baby and you have to like fill out the form and send it doing baby photography i found out that there's a lot of parents that could really have done with even a weekend course and there are parenting courses for new parents out there yeah but like but a you, mandatory one <laughs> hear me out okay you can still qualify for the baby bonus 100%, but the only way that you will get the baby bonus is by taking and passing the two-day course. You don't have to take it. If you do not want to take it, that's fine, but you don't qualify for the baby bonus. So that way, the people that have already had kids or are a little bit more well-off and don't need the baby bonus don't have to take the course because unfortunately, the people that do need the baby bonus sometimes aren't the best parents. It's true. That's I don't the know younger the two-day people. course is going to fix stupid. At the very least, it would teach you how to change a baby. That's fine. There's people that want to be good parents, and I'm sure that's fine. But there's a lot of people that are going to be irresponsible regardless of what you try to force upon them education-wise. That's true. But... And, and eh, 
where does the funding for this program come and how does it save money necessarily? Because okay, maybe less okay. people have the baby bonus, but um, they get to pay people to instruct. I haven't worked out. I, it was me. It's always been on the back of my mind. I haven't really worked out the economics of it. I'm assuming that the the cost of running a program versus paying out hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to to the, I feel like it would at the very least balance out and you'd have more educated parents. Sounds like a good even concept. if nobody like you say some people just you can't fix stupid. That's mm. true. But if you get through to one person that wasn't going to take the course, their baby may have a better go at it. Mm. Right? Or they may know that when the baby is crying at night what they can do to to help so they don't, i mean there's there's certain things that you i feel like a, there's got to be a lot of youtube searches for like i feel like how they're to deal with a baby i feel like that would be an industry that that exists where people make youtube videos just like teaching you how to raise your offspring maybe my whole plan is totally negated by the internet who knows maybe because information is very accessible you don't got to go to the library even to get some book that you got to look for the answers and through the whole thing although it'd be cool if you made it mandatory just for like and then this is way way higher reaching but just like mandatory for parents to read like a psych child psychology textbook that'd be amazing nobody's gonna do that but you could learn so How much. would you prove that you did? Would you have to have a test afterwards? That'd be good, like a like a finals test in university. Big three hour test. <laughs> best um best and only textbook I ever read cover to cover was my psychology textbook. Yeah? Because it's just so insightful and it's so you you can describe it in a way that's I would argue entertaining. So that's what I like. My best one is somewhere on that shelf best textbook yeah the one that i've enjoyed the most <laughs> do you know what it's called exactly i'd assume you would if it's your best wait a sec it's not up there is it it's in it's in your bathroom say so that's a weird i guess toilet reading material it's somewhere somewhere on the shelf that seems to contain about 200 books i think it's not on the shelf no it was somewhere oh. it's called it's lovingly called The Pinkus. The Pinkus. Yes. It's a film textbook that was written by somebody with the last name Pinkus. So people just call it The Pinkus. That was that was how it was referred to. It, it covers everything. It is not an entertaining read, but mm. if you read it cover to cover, you could know everything you need to know about film production in sounds, general sounds like a pretty good recommendation yes and you can pick them up at many a local bookstores for a lot less than the college sells them that was always Tila introduced me to that right bookshop yeah years ago I loved it it's amazing how many of the Niagara College mandated books are there yes I'm sure a lot of them end up there so I've bought lots of photography books from that guy I bought a lot of stuff there too but that's that's a fun store to go to. That's mm -hmm. as close to like a just a magical 
But you have no idea what you're going to find every time. It's not organized in a way that's conducive to finding exactly what you want. But if you're in the right section, you might. You just might. Well, I know. Chances I found are, a few Jimmy Buffett books there, yeah. so I was in the right section. If you're looking for it, chances are you'll find it because there's so many books. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. That's a that's a business that that uh, you would think wouldn't be doing as well as it is. But see, if it, I don't know what kind of promotional stuff he does, but it'd be cool to talk to him. That'd be fun. I feel like I would love to make some kind of like video of just like rolling through the aisles of books, like stacked to the ceiling, and just like it could be like a maze. You could do like a gimmick where somebody gets lost. It'd be pretty good. That'd be a place I'd like to get lost in. Yeah. Not impossible to do. I wonder if the structure of that building has been altered in any way by the amount of weight in books and shelves that are in I it. I feel like that entire building's a fire hazard. Yes. Oh, it was. I mean, the fire department ordered him to get rid of a significant number of stock, which is why there was like a huge sale on books for like an entire summer, maybe even a year. I don't remember how long it was, but, but yeah, it was bad before. There was too many books. It's It's not as bad now. When was that? I feel oh, it was that like a year and a half ago. Something. Oh, so my major time there was before that happened because that was an incredible amount of books. Mm-hmm. Like that was a, as I said, a magical yeah, amount. Crazy. Maybe maybe it was longer longer ago than that because I think I was still living on St. Paul Street. I think it's been a good episode. Yeah. Like, uh, we might have a guest next week, so I'm gonna try one way or another. Don't know Let's who see if we can do it. We'll find somebody. We'll find somebody. All right. It's they're hard to find because you have to. If you're an interesting person, we've we said this before. Contact us. I feel like maybe I should just post that. Do you know somebody interesting? Because yeah, it's like the degrees of how many people. Or, Kevin Bacon thing. What if we just posted somebody, in somebody the, we know knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody the Niagara market Barack or something Obama. like that. You might be able to find somebody. Okay. One way or another, guest. Stay tuned for next week. This has been a funny thing happened on the way to a podcast with Jesse and Eric. Have a good night. This is Moody. Lights shall disappear. Wait, wait, wait. Goodbye. Ah! I'm gone. You are listening to my voice. You are listening.